This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart, and as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback, and I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros, Cameron here. I want to tell you that I am going to be in London, September 10th through 15th, and I'm also going to do a live episode of Query on the 13th. <laughs> right, Sierra? Yeah. And um, then I also have a bunch of fall tour dates. You can go to CameronEsposito.com slash tour for tickets to all these places. I am coming to many cities. I hope I'm coming to a city near you. Oh, boy. This week's episode is a chat with the amazing Murray Hill. Showbiz, classic showbiz, an amazing performer. It was rad to talk to Murray, and I don't even know. I feel like we we got into a lot of stuff about um, how Murray identifies as a performer and all that stuff. So I'm just going to let Murray take it away. I've been feeling wrong, but I'm still Um, so on this show, first of all, I have guests introduce themselves. So would you say who you are? Will you introduce yourself? Uh, ladies and gentlemen and the rest of you, this is Murray Hill. Um, what I sound like during the day. It's an exclusive. I was talking to my wife, Rhea, and we both... You're gay? Yeah. Yeah, believe oh, it or I not. I thought Rhea was a boy. Yeah, no. Uh, well, maybe. Potentially. <laughs> um, but... Um, we both realized that neither of us knew Murray Hill was a neighborhood before n- knowing you. Like, I thought you were Murray Hill. Like, I knew about you and then walked past the Murray Hill diner and was like, man, Murray this Hill. guy's a success. Yeah, that's right. Well, you know, I, I used to live over there, so that's how I got the name. But yeah, Murray Hill, it's a, it's a subway stop in Long Island. It's a font. It's an old politician, and it's an old uh, vaudevillian from 1848, so there's a lot of Murrays around. Mm. But you're clearly the greatest Murray. Oh, the greatest, the most plus size, <laughs> the cutest. Yeah. I can say that on a podcast. I can say cutest. What are, what are you what, what are you known for doing? You're known for being like working a craft. Entertainment. Yeah. Like I'm known for working a craft. Classic entertainer. Classic entertainer, uh, glad handing, you know, personality. But live stuff mostly. You're mostly like a yeah, well, live cabaret performer. I have an apartment in Brooklyn, uh-huh, sure. and then I have um, an apartment in the basement of the cutting room floor. Okay, and then I do live shows. So yeah. that's so wherever you've seen me is what I've done the most of. Sure, <laughs> that's fair enough. <laughs> yeah. How did you get into performance? Uh, well, cameras. It was either sink or swim. Either get. Beat up or you make them laugh. So I went the other way. Yeah, I hey. So I started cracking Same. jokes for to to uh, make day to day life a little easier. Yeah. When I was a very young person, I looked exactly the same as I do now, but I had cheekbones back then. <laughs> I kind of looked the same as a little kid too. Yeah, you Actually, you look like me thirty years ago. You well, look good, <laughs> L.A. people. You look fucking good. Well, it's the whole thing. You're supposed to. You're supposed to like really invest all, like all of your time and energy in that. I only put about. Ten percent of my time and energy in that. There are people. That's who a are, lot. Who are in New York? The more no, banged up you look, the, the, the better you more are. Legit, yeah, yeah. I'm legit. legit. Well, it's like one, a you fucking look, punching bag. Number one, you don't look, you don't look banged up. But it, there is a complete and total cultural difference that is very funny and weird. Because I lived in Chicago before LA, so you get to make the choice. Like if you if you start in Chicago, you get to go New York or LA, and you're really choosing like, uh, do I want like sense of community? And hard knocks and no living space? Or do I want, like, a vast nothingness but a lot of access to fresh-pressed juice? And, and sunshine. And sunshine, and yeah. burritos. And burritos. On cars. And, like, a room for my tiny dog to run around a little bit. Oh, you have a tiny dog. I do have a tiny dog. God, lesbians with a tiny dog. I've never heard that. I know. I know. Can you, you believe? Are, you guys are breaking We're the, breaking the spectrum. Thing. I know. It's a whole new thing. I was Two I was, lesbians that look like two gay guys with a small dog. What the hell's going on around here? Come on. Come on. That guy doesn't even get the jokes. No, he does. He's just laughing. Yeah. <laughs> You, you've you been, like, a staple of the New York performance scene 
for a minute, and I feel like kind of know everybody in work here. I mean, how long have you lived? Are you from here? Is this where you're from? I've been in New York long enough to have forgotten where I was before this. Oh, so fair. I've been here about 20-something years. I'm starting to forget the years now. Man, I've never lived anywhere 20-something years. What does that feel like? Well, you're only in your 20s. What do you expect? No, I'm not in my 20s. I'm 36. Oh, yes. So I could have lived somewhere for 20 years. (laughs) But I haven't. I've never lived anywhere. What does that feel like? Do you feel like you know this city? Oh, I definitely know it. And uh, I have like a a constant heartburn that's Uh called New York City. Yeah. And uh, I hate it and I love it. So that's the vibe every day. Yeah, and I also feel like if you're going to... I mean, I don't know. Did you, when you're doing live performance, New York is kind of the center of the world for that. Yeah, I mean, to start in New York was great for me because I I do a lot of touring and traveling in Australia. So it's like, once this is your starting place, every other city except LA is a breeze. <laughs> Fair enough. What's, you know what I mean? What's LA like for you? Well, you know, I did. A, I've done a lot of shows with bands and um, Dita Von Teese in LA and comedy shows and stuff. And it, it's it, New York are like. New York's like, okay, work for me. Show me what you got. I've seen everything. Absolutely. LA is like, what fact, show were you in? I saw on the way here. Yeah. <laughs> I saw everything, ev- all possible iterations of humanity, just like from the cab to here. Yeah. Just like from the subway Half to a here. Block. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, you're right. LA is what show you Yeah, LA is like, are you, you, you look famous. I don't know if I've seen you on any show. What show are you on? And then you. So, so I got to work. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to put that 15 monologue minutes up at the top absolutely push it and then they come around what do you what do you call yourself are you do you identify as like a comedian as a drag king do you identify as a drag king well Cameron the the, the viewers can't see that you know I'm, I'm from a different generation the older one but so all the ID politics and language and all that stuff I that's all has happened past my prime mm. so I, I'm like I used to be postmodern gender person and now I think I've gone back to the 80s. So I'm just Murray. That's how I identify. Mm -hmm. There's not like, there's still, even though there's 2,000 terms for what you could be and identify as, there's still not one that quite fits. That makes sense to me. Yeah. You know, so my DJ name uh, is DJ Half and Half. So that that's you know, yeah, you know what I'm saying. But uh, yeah, I I just go by Murray. It's I I actually have to always correct people to say I'm a comedian. Yeah. Because I think when you're um, off the beaten track, if you know what I'm saying, that I find that people always want to put a a, a label in front of you, of your name. So I just, my whole thing is from day one is why I started doing this. I just want to be like everybody else because to me that's equality. So if it's not, you know, Murray, the, uh, I had a newspaper call me once, uh, the obese transvestite comedian or the gay drag king. It's like, well, we don't call, you know, Dimitri Martin any of those things, right? I mean, he, you know, maybe a little soft spoken, we should call him. But, you know, so I just want to be like a Murray, what, comedian. What kind of room did you, what kind of rooms did you start out playing in? Um, I started... I had I started on two tracks in New York. One was on Second uh, Avenue and Thirteenth Street at this place called the Nines, and that was like a at the time where like the lounge culture was all big again and stuff. So that was like a very straight, hip, you know, we're so cool, we're gonna dress up in vintage dresses and right. suits kind of vibe. So that's so that was like Sunday night at from like ten p.m. to like one a.m. So I would go in there. And be like a lounge lizard. I had a co-host, and like that was like early, early Murray. Is that like when you started figuring out your that like iconic look? That's the yeah, like more loungy. Full, I was a little sleazier back then. A little sleazier as, as for the as far the dress goes. Yeah, because I had you know I had like the you know, a little longer hair, the, you know, the little chest hair coming out and stuff. So I would do the straight night, the lounge night, and then. At 1 o'clock, I would go down to um, Avenue B and 4th Street. And that was a club called uh, Cake. Oh, yeah. And Club Casanova was there, which is uh, Moby Dick's um, had a drag king night. This was like in the 90s. So I would go and do that. So that was all queer, mixed, underground, you know, lower, lower east side. So I would bounce in between those two rooms. So 
uh, you know, one room was like really rich, straight hipsters, and the other one was like, you know, fucking hardcore queer, like back room. What the hell's going on here? I can't see anything. There's no lights. So that those are the the rooms I started in. I get that. I kind of I have some ex- some parallel experience. And what what was the difference? So w- number one, were you any different in those rooms? Were you doing anything different? Would you think? No, I think uh, you know I, I I hinted at a, assimilation, but you know. I've I've never like been a gay comic like you know I did Provincetown once and I did the Vixen and I bombed. It's like hey I'm not really a white guy, <laughs> but so I've always from day one, from day one I've always wanted to play all of the crowds, sure. all of the scenes, and to be in a little to because preaching to the home court is is important and I value that and I always make sure I do that, but I want to take the message out. Out on the streets. Yeah, absolutely. How were you received in the, like, straight room that you were talking about? You know, it's, uh, I've been doing this forever, and it still, you know, blows me away of, the, of how people, I was just at Bally's doing a game show uh, in in the back room. That was, that's the name of the venue. It's a back room at the back room at Bally's. And, you know, it's all senior citizens with scooters and canes. Wait, what's Bally's? Bally's like, is a casino in Las Vegas. I thought that's what, you, I thought that's yeah. what we were talking about. So in Bally's, there... Bally's, the casino in Las Vegas. Yes, yes, in the back room. Wayne Newton's in the other back room. Oh, my God. So I'm in there with my tuxedo and all this stuff, and, you know, there's seniors in there with scooters and canes and, you know, wheelchairs and all this stuff, and they just think I'm this, like, funny, old-school Las Vegas comedian. So I'm being read in that way. Yes. And then, you know, the hipsters pick up the vibe but then i'm like you know this funny comedian that's like in the wrong era and then when i'm with with the gays then it's like you know it's a lot of the camp and the drag like part of that long drag legacy not for people like me but for drag queens and stuff like that so you know it's it's a i'm a little bit of a chameleon in that way yeah i mean i would say um huh i mean i i am just slightly younger than you and slightly, so only a decade. Slightly younger than you. And no so, pictures, no pictures, please. <laughs> just by 10 years or so. I, I don't know, like, what the vibe of... I mean, for me, when I was starting out doing stand-up, it was actually kind of, like, taboo or not preferred for a comic to play gay rooms. Like, if like if you were gay, you kind of wanted to stay out of there. By the time I was starting doing stand-up, you kind of... Because there was this perception that, like... Um, owning your sexuality or whatever made you different gender-wise would alienate audiences if you, like, accepted it. Like, if you went and played gay rooms, then, like, forget it. You can basically never leave. It's like the door will shut after you and you'll, like, never get out of that. Yeah, then you'll work cruises for the rest of your life. Exactly. Um, So I I understand what you're talking about, about the, like, I never identified fully as a gay comic, and then I had, like, that chameleon effect going on. Like, I totally had that, too. I find that now... um, I am, like, much – like, I can't believe how heavily that weighed on me earlier based on where I'm at now because it's just kind of like my audience is my audience and they find me and it's um, a lot of queer people, but it's also, like, the coolest straight people because, like, there's a – there's yeah. a it, it, it does a natural filter where the cool – where only the cool straight people want to support a comic who happens to be queer. And so – Yeah, um, and that's progress. Yeah, it's like, cool. We've, we've, we've made it – we've gone somewhere. We, I do feel like we've got somewhere. I don't feel like I – I mean, I have no idea what the messaging is for folks that are just starting now. But I don't know that it's like the same, um, like, white-knuckle fear that it was to start doing stand-up and have people be like, I don't know, man. Like, you better you better walk that line and, like, don't talk about it too much. And you can talk about it a little bit, but, like, make it gross. You know, like, make it – Yeah. I mean, I think for, for me, I didn't, like, start in the stand-up clubs. And part of that is because I've – I really come from like the drag nightlife yeah. lineage and like the night nightlife. So my clubs that I started off were these rinky-dink places, you know, six nights a week in Avenue A, Avenue B, Avenue C. So it was all it was you know, it was it almost parallels Las Vegas lounge comedians that I kind of referenced in like the 50s, 60s and 70s because all the the guys in there, and Phyllis Diller and Tody Fields, all all those wonderful women, they were playing these small small lounges, not the headlining room, but the small lounges where there was drunk people, 
bartenders, waitresses, like total chaos going on. And you become a certain type of comedian when you're in that environment. So like Don Rickles started like that, Jackie Gleason, you know, Jerry Lewis, Dean Martin. And you learn a whole different skill set of just trying to survive the night. Yeah. So what you're like hard, you're you, uh, imp- you, you learn how to improv. Yep, you, sure. People absolutely. don't want to pay attention. They're wasted. There's a lot of shit going on. There's a lot of things to compete with. So you develop, you know, it, that's what I think New York did for me. You develop like a, a like a sixth skin. Yes. Yeah. Like, but you you become bulletproof. So you have to be bulletproof. Can't have anything phase you. You have to always win because if the audience wins for a second, then like you're lost. Yeah, they can't win for a second. Yeah. Um, and what you're talking about, it really is like an old school entertainer uh, attitude that really that is pretty specific to New York. I'm trying to think if I know that vibe because I mean, obviously, like you're saying, 50s, 60s, 70s, that like existed all over the country. But I don't know that it that same. Well, it's you know, there, it was scene. big in the Catskills, like that type of community. Yeah, 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 right. But then the Catskills obviously went over and took over, you know, all those communities took over Hollywood. So, right. you know, it's 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 in there. Uh, but like what you're talking about, those clubs and stuff, I don't even think that exists in L.A. or Chicago. I mean, there's like an alt performance scene. There's like a performance arty scene that is like kind of where the cool – weirdos go but that's not what you're talking about that yeah, like loungy not, vibe isn't really somewhere else yeah there's not too the, only that the dresden there what's the um sure what's their names marty and elaine yes yes you marty know, and elaine are awesome at the dresden yeah you know, i live just i live pretty close to them yeah that's a nice neighborhood yeah so i mean that's that has like that's kind of the same flavor uh-huh. is it's just it's not like you know much like marty and elaine i'm not like going up to the microphone Setting up a joke, doing sure. my punchline, setting up a joke, doing my punchline. I'm part of the fabric of the room. So, and that's what they're like. You know, you walk in there, she could be fucking singing one song and he's like, you know, nodding off, doing, you know, falling asleep at the drums. You know, it's it's just part of the, the room. Yeah, they're a lounge act in the, for those folks who don't, who've never been to Los Angeles or don't know what we're talking about. There's like this perennial lounge act that's been like essentially in the same spot standing for you know however long same hair color if you go in there night after night it's there's just like worn grooves in the floor where their little feet go because they're they're yeah like you're saying they're they're a part of the they're a part of the whole atmosphere yeah and so so with that so i didn't do the comedy club so for me it was never white knuckling or any of that because i started my early days i always said i'm gonna make a space where i'm welcome and invite people into it rather than be the oddball out so yeah, I always, you know, did my own shows, produced my own comedy nights, did my own, you know, theatrics, Christmas show, do all that stuff. So I was never, you know, I did Caroline's and Gotham and, you know, all the places around here. And I found it to be pretty chilly. So um, instead, I just made my own shows, did my own shows, and then did the comedy stuff, then the, the TV stuff and the radio stuff and all that other thing. So like right before that, what made you think that that was something that you could do, produce your own night and create your own space? Well, I think, uh, you know, I, I'm in an age now where I quote myself. and To I, quote the great me. To, to quote the great Murray Hill <laughs> and uh, is, you know, Murray kind of came out of a, a vacuum in where I didn't see a particular character or type of character in the queer community either represented. So then this was in the 90s. So... In New York, you either sink or you swim. That's another great thing about New York. You can be you can be pushed to the max to be completely original and have like an exciting opportunities one after the other. Or you can be like everybody else and it's bullshit, right? So I, I saw that there was no, you know, for lack of better language right now, like no, you know, uh, equivalent to like RuPaul. You know, RuPaul's older than me. Old queen. <laughs> okay? So... So I so my whole thing was I'm going to I'm going to fill this area but I haven't seen it before so I'm going to go with this and so I forgot what the fucking question was. God well, no, damn, I was just I was asking a point. how you how you knew that you oh, could yeah. produce your own space. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, here oh yeah, to quote myself I, yeah, I still need another cup of coffee. <laughs> is uh if you don't see yourself represented, go out and represent yourself. And that's been like my whole thing. Like that's it. So I didn't see this stuff. I didn't see a room where, 
you know, gay people, bears, straight people, like all different kinds of people in one room just cracking up at the same thing. Like I made a place where I would feel safe in turn so that everyone else would feel safe too. And that's kind of like a safe and acceptance. That's kind of like the subtle themes of my shows. You and I have a lot in common. I, I, that's Well, this is what you're yeah. going to look like in 20 years, kid. <laughs> I can't wait. You better, you better lay off the carbs. <laughs> no, you and I have a lot in common because I, I have only recently realized how much starting to do stand-up was about creating safety. Like, I always knew it was about connection, but I didn't know why I needed that connection. I didn't know. Um, I thought for a long time it was just like, let me be the gay person you know. Like, yeah. like Because when I started... Uh, it, and I still have people say this to me at shows. Like, I'm, you're literally, like, the first queer person I've met. Now, a lot less because most of the audience is actually there yeah. to see me. But, like, early on, that happened, like, every night. You know, there would be somebody like, yeah, I know. I, I'm glad I met you because otherwise I, like, totally hated gay people. You know, like, or whatever it was. Oh, yeah. I, this, I felt like an yeah, ambassador. Yeah, that's the good – that's the that's – the, yeah. w- when you can connect at that kind of personal, local level. Mm-hmm. And then it, like, disarms everybody. And then you change one person. Oh, yeah. That's huge. Yeah, so bad. Yeah. no. Hey, you kids are pretty funny. Changing one, change one person is the best. Yeah, it's true. It's but I, true. But I don't think I realized why I was changing them. Like, that I was trying to actually, yeah, make the world feel safer for me. Because I just think I felt fundamentally unsafe being the person that I was and just walking through the world like this. Yeah, you know, you get a little heat when you're different. Yeah, what what was your so like what what was your heat that you would get? When oh, you were, it's endless, kid. It's endless. Really? I mean, look at me for Christ's sakes. No, but you look like a totally normal person to me. So I don't know. Yeah, what that exactly. Is. So now we're both fucked up. <laughs> when you think I look like a normal person, we've got that's a, called a red flag. <laughs> <laughs> well, like what? No, I mean, I I always you know, I always like look like a boy, but had a, a high voice, and you know everything was gender se- segregated when I was a kid, like classes and sports you know it's just so I've always looked you know I didn't look like the other kids so to speak sometimes now and and, uh, if she's listening um, I'm sure I'll hear about it but uh, you know I I say this joke in my in my act (laughs) I say I I can read your mind sir he's looking at me saying why is the inmate from orange is the new black sure on stage right now telling jokes so some some people now that Leah's on tv will say that I'm her Right. So, I mean, it's, it's you know. I, there could only be one t- person that vaguely has dark hair. Well, that's what, you yeah. know what I'm saying? So, it's like, yeah. So, people, yeah. There's from being a, a adolescent and a teenager when people would make fun of you for looking like a boy. And then it's like, now I get made fun for all kinds of stuff. But, you know, what are you going to do? I choose to use humor to diffuse it at this point. Was there no one else that was occupying a similar space? Like, if were you the weirdest one? When you were a kid, like weirdest looking kid, I wouldn't say. You know, even when I was younger, I was I was good at sports and I was funny, so, which counts for so much. Yeah. So you know, and I, you know, I had, yeah, as you could probably tell, I had a little bit of a personality. So people just we just like when I was a kid, we didn't even know what gay was. People would call me Dyke and this and that. I didn't even know what it was for real. I had no idea. Like there was this big incident once on the. On the uh, on the bus after a lacrosse game, and it was like all this like crazy hate talk. I literally had no idea they were talking about me. I I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, we won the game, great. And then my friend, like ten years later, told me, no, that was about you. I was defending you against the coach. I was like, "Uh, uh, uh." oh, against the coach, no less. Dang, but yeah, I didn't. I don't, you know. So so when I was in school, we, you know, we didn't have internet. Mm-hmm. There was nothing. There was no gay visibility at all. There's nothing to read. There's no books. There is no celebrities that were out. You know, none of that stuff. So when you're in the suburbs, you're like, shit. Yeah, that's me. That's me growing up in the suburbs like shit. Like, well, mine was, I don't think I looked. It was a little different because I don't, I can't tell. I mean, I say this on stage in my act is that, like, when I was a kid, I, nobody ever called me gay, like, ever, to my face. Or I never heard the word dyke. Ne- never. But I – and I was built, like, the same way I am now when I was a kid. And all, Healthy. The, all the times kids would call me fat 
all the time. And I only realized like in my 20s that I think that they just like couldn't, they couldn't figure out like the word for what I was. So they yeah. were just like, they were like, I think fat. So what body shame yeah, is like, default. Like, Cause I think like, we don't know the, uh, we don't know the other word. We don't know the word dyke. So I think you probably are fat. Like that's probably what you are. And, um, but I remember, you know, I mean, I feel like be- feeling, having anything different going on. And it, yeah, them body shaming, just being like, this is a word that we at least know. But I didn't, I didn't recognize what was going on in myself. And then I didn't like meet a gay person essentially until I was in my 20s. So I had like no idea. And then it was fucking, let's do this. Yes. And then I was very excited. <laughs> I know. I, uh, I coincidentally, or you could say the universe, uh-huh. my first year of college, I was in a, an all women's floor. Amazing. Like who? They Congra- didn't even have congratulations. that. Congratulations! Yeah, and I didn't know what the hell was going on, but I, I remember saying, uh, I, I remember saying, so, I'm so naive. I didn't know anything, being from New England, you know. Uh, I remember being like, you know, the fourth week I was there, I was like hammered and having all these like thoughts. I'm like, I, I, I'm, I'm not like the other people on this floor. I don't know what it is, you know. I was like, yeah, I was like in love with all everybody on the goddamn floor. How, when did you figure it out? What was going on with you? <sighs> the woman across the hall. That's great. I had a crush. I, of course, had a crush on every femme teacher I ever had in, in elementary school. Showbiz. But, yeah, it was uh, freshman. I got pulled out of the closet by um, a young lady who's from a prison family in Florida. Her father was a warden. Her mother worked. In, she was tough. I didn't have a choice. It just... You know, they might have different names for that now, but uh, I was, uh, she invited me over to her place. She said she got uh, the movie Morocco. I don't even know this movie. Yeah, with uh, Marlena Dietrich. Okay, great. Yeah, Marlena Dietrich. This was a long time ago. You know, it, the movies, and I, I, Morocco, which is like, you know, she dresses as a man in that movie. But I had no idea. I didn't know. I had no idea I was walking into a homosexual trap. <laughs> sure. I'm like, oh, we're going to watch movies? I didn't know it was like the signifier queer women movie. Had you seen anything like that on screen before? Hell no. We I didn't mean, even watch it. All I know is that we <laughs> it were was kissing. Just, it was just available. It was just like. Like, that's what we're going to. And then she goes, yeah. what do you want for breakfast? I'll never forget this. I, it, we were, I was going over there for dinner. And then she goes, what do you want for breakfast? We're in the grocery store. I was like, uh, I didn't kiss, any, kiss a woman or anything before. You know, I was like, I'm like, breakfast? What do you mean? She's like, for tomorrow. And I, I literally was like, what is about to happen? Like, I had no, oh, I was so Oh, my God, this ignorant. is an amazing story. Yeah. Yeah, I stayed the night. How was it? Uh, I think I hyperventilated about 20 times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think she, at one point she thought I was having a heart attack. I was like, I don't know, but this is, you're hot. And that, and that, was, that was my love for the... For the feminine, crazy woman started then. This episode of Query is sponsored by Pact. Pact is an apparel company. They make organic cotton clothing. And they want everyone to be comfortable in their own skin, literally and figuratively. Yeah, Pact makes butter soft clothes for men, women, and kids. How do I know this is true? I'm wearing a packed sweatshirt right now because I'm so freezing. So I put it on to do the ad. Ugh, they got 100% organic cotton. They partner with fair trade certified factories because they believe the comfort of people who make the clothes is just as important as the people who wear them. Also, the price, very comforting. Despite being organic, packed clothing is super affordable. Tees are 15 bucks, leggings are 30, and undies are like $9. Specifically, exactly $9. If you want to keep your comfort close and your true self closer, head to wearpacked.com. That's W E A R P A C T.com and enter the code query for 25% off checkout on your first order. That's wearepack.com, code query. What's up, query listeners? This episode is sponsored by BarkBox. BarkBox will deliver amazing dog stuff that you love to your house. What do you mean? Yeah, they're like a $40 value, but plans start at just 20 bucks a month. And you can get toys and chewies and t-shirt rope and 
dozens of innovative squeakers delivered directly to your box. It's a monthly delivery of toys, all natural treats, and joy built around a surprise theme for you and your dog. If you know anything about me, you know I have an amazing dog, Murph, and that I am so stoked to advertise for BarkBox because I've actually sent this to friends as a thank you for helping me with stuff. God, I'm a really good person. BarkBox has all natural treats and chews that are made and produced with meat sourced in the U.S. and Canada. There's never any soy corn or wheat. They offer free shipping to anywhere in the U.S. and Canada. And you, as a dog parent, will be happy to give all the things inside to your pets because if you have a heavy chewer or allergies, they can accommodate special needs. They've also got some mind-blowing toys that'll keep your dogs engaged. For a free extra month of BarkBox, visit BarkBox.com slash query. That's right. B-A-R-K-B-O-X dot com. Get a free month when you subscribe to a sixth or 12 month plan. Did you have any shame about this? Like, so you had you had no information about yourself prior to this. Did you have shame? I mean, I always you felt like stuff. Well, I, I, unfortunately, I grew up. Uh, Irish Catholic, so shame is um, as common as... Ooh, I'm Italian Catholic. I'm a fucking Italian. I'm half Italian, half Irish. Oh, I'm mostly Italian. Look at us, Italian Shit. Catholics. Yeah, I, I should have said. We got the Italian nose. I, I got the Italian nose. Yeah, yeah. I have the Irish skin, which sucks. Also, you have like, you have... Do you have a, corn, do you have a cornicello on? Do no, you have a no, corn? just a no. couple of things. Yeah, just, you know, just a couple I of rings. To, I need to get... An Italian. I know. My, oh, I won't. I will. I'll tell you my Italian name off air. You know, I don't, I don't sure. want. Any, I don't want any, too many emails coming. No, in. no, no. Don't. Yeah, don't. <laughs> don't. Yeah, don't tell me your Italian name. But I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, Irish Italian. That's what we're dealing with here. So there's a lot of shame. Of course, of course, because when you grow up, I mean, I grew up in the different era. So gay, homosexuality, bad, sin. I mean, same thing for me. Hell. Like, you're going to hell. All that kind of shit. Oh, yeah. I, th- I mean, I thought I was going to hell, and that was backed up by people. When I, when I like, told folks what was going on, they were like, oh, no, no, we, we do, we co-sign that, like, confirmed, stamped, approved. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what did you do with that? What did you with, do with that feeling? Well, you know, obviously, being Irish Italian, you suppress the fuck out of it, and you drink and make for a, a good joke. 20 years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, then, and then you become a comedian. Hey, There's your answer. Yeah. <laughs> I hear that. I mean, Jesus. same, right? Yeah, it's so. It's like it's like I, it's like I have gay shame, but I vote. I vote now that I'm like older, which older older. I'm like, yeah, I've always been attracted to women. It seems like the most for me. It seems like the most normal thing ever. Yeah, of course. Of so course. it's like a, it's a little bit of a mind fuck of like you know my internal deep shit is like, oh, you're going to hell, and then I'm like this is the actually only option. No, I, I, I mean, I feel, yeah, right. I, it is. And it should be the only option for everybody. I've got some friends. <laughs> I'm not going to mention any names, but I know she's going to listen to this and uh, she's in the showbiz. And I'm always like, you know, you should try the lifestyle. It's a good lifestyle. It is a good lifestyle. I think it has to fit. It's a, it, no pun it's intended. A, yeah. If it, if it's you a, got a rim shot in there? Oh, fit. That's, get it? It has to fit. Lesbian. Yeah. fit. Well, nothing. Nothing. Nothing on that. Um, but I think the... Well, the guy, I don't think I have a ton of gay, gay shame anymore about, like, just being gay, but still sometimes about looking gay, which is so fucking weird. Like, I wish that I could figure out how to lose that. How? If you were in New York, you wouldn't look gay. What? Yeah, you, you look like a kid from Williamsburg. <laughs> I mean, sort of. I don't know. I have, like, now this new, sh- like, I know. All I over, follow your Instagram yeah, page. All, all over short. You made the cut. Yeah, I made the cut. This has the way I am perceived by the outside world after just losing like four inches of hair. Is, it is totally night and day, and I had no idea that it would be that big because I thought I looked pretty fucking gay before. But we're always it, the last to know. Yeah, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out not quite. Um, no, I still sometimes worry about like. I mean, I guess I wouldn't look super gay in New York, but I don't. I'm trying to look gay. It's just that sometimes maybe another three three or four inches off the yeah, top. Yeah, yeah. No, huh? I'd have to I'd have to shorten the sides. <laughs> I'm trying to look gay, but I feel like I can get right up to the line, and then I and then I feel weird about it. Like I feel some weirdness about having too much masculinity, or like I love the word butch, but then I also don't know if I. Oh, butches are a dying breed. I, well, I don't know if I fully identify that way, but I love, like, I love the idea of butch, and I love the parts of me that are butch, but then I, I, 
I feel kind of like a feminine guy. Not like a... That means you're you know, a homo. Yes, exactly. Like <laughs> I know, I, that's not very PC. Keep it in. I want letters. I, I want think, letters. I have a great hat that says homo on it, so <laughs> I, think it's, I think it is in. Um, how do you feel about, like, walking through the world with a Well, haircut? I will tell you this. Everyone who hangs out with me, mm-hmm. and I've got some friends in show business, uh, Bridget Everett, Dirty yep. Martini, burlesque performer, um, any woman that hangs out with me is immediately thought of as my girlfriend that's funny so it's like instant id for them that's funny and i'm like I, well she's not my girlfriend believe it or not but like people still think cool. Bridget's my girlfriend yeah cool for cool for bridget well yeah i mean i, I mean it's I, like yeah. sweet cred sweet cred i've tried to tell her it's a good lifestyle but yeah i mean i think um i think i, I think people see me and their first reaction isn't necessarily gay it's or guy it's this is an unsolved mysteries episode walking by me right now. Like you can see, I can see people's like brains, like they're like trying to figure out. And then when I have my suit on and I'm all done up, you know, they're like, but I have this joke uh, in my act and it's, um, it's, it's so old, this joke that it seems new. And you probably haven't heard it, so that's why I'm good. There's always somebody that's not going to hear go. it. Let's go. Let's go. And I, I say to the audience, and it's my litmus test, I said, oh, sir, I, you know, I can see. I'm going to do an impersonation, impersonation of you looking at me. And then I do like a bewildered look. And then I said, sir, I'm reading your mind. He's thinking, is it a man or a woman? Is it a man or a woman? And have a nice comedic awkward pause. And then I say, sir, the answer is no. Yeah. And if they don't laugh, which does happen quite a bit, uh, I know I'm going to have to work a little harder that night. Wow. Who who is on who's on your side in that situation? Like, do you find that it's that? Well, you re- you really got to disarm. You're saying you got to disarm. Yeah. You got to see what you're dealing with. Feel the vibe. You set the tone. Like if I'm always setting the tone, then you know things are going to fly, and not just for me, but for everybody in the room. Yeah, but you could you know. Depending on where, what I'm reading as to the people, it would be a completely different show sometimes. Hmm. Like I did, um, I was in the show called Club Swizzle at the Sydney Opera House, and we did eight shows a week for a couple months. You know, it's a huge tourist city. And, you know, the cruise is docked at the bay right there. So it's like every night, nobody knew what the hell they were coming in to see. And then I get up there. And they're just like, what the fuck is this? So I've developed material to have that that, um, unknown not be fearful, but be funny. Right. And then it's smooth sailing. Do you think you know, and and I'm basing this on on what you said earlier, like you don't have an answer to that question. The... Do you? If the is that a man or a woman? Do you have an answer to that question? Do you? It's Murray. Yeah, right. So like, oh, not to give you thoughts, but do you have you like heard stuff about the phrase about the word non-binary? Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you heard that word? Um, I have, of course, heard that. I mean, all the kids call cause some of the younger kids say I'm a mock. Mm. And I didn't know what that was. I, thought I don't know it was what like that is. What shoes. is that? Yeah, I don't know what that is. Yeah, like a small turtleneck? <laughs> no, it's the, your haircut, a nice mock cut. Got it, yes, cut. yes. No, it's masculine of center. Right, okay, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, it, yeah, there's a lot of words out there. Um, I mean, we don't have to, like, choose to change our identities or, like, take any of them on. But it is interesting that these conversations are happening. Because oh, you crazy. telling me that that is an intro to your act... That's essentially an explanation for what, like, if somebody said, what is a non-binary person, you could tell them that joke, and that would also answer that question. So now— And it's, a, and it's, and it's, an, it's using comedy yeah. as a way to connect rather than saying right. non-binary. Because a, a woman on a scooter with her 95-year-old husband at Bally's doesn't give a shit about non-binary <laughs> and doesn't know anything about it and probably sure. never will. Yeah. And it's not important to them. But they but but if I go up there and I'm like, you know, in between playing all the different stuff and then they laugh and they have a good time, then it's you know, it's just it's it's a different result but the same strategy. 
Yeah, I, I, I hear that. I mean, I think you're also talking about, you're talking about like bridging a gap up. And I think the other thing is that like folks that are generations younger than us are just like having these conversations openly early. Hey, look, let's and face it, Cameron. The, the kids today, their parents like them. <laughs> you actually yeah. tell your parents that you're gay. Yeah. And they don't kick you out of the house. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. I travel a lot to to some parts in the middle of the country, and then I'm like, oh, I guess it's not that different. But I also think— No, there's still a long ways to go. Just having any of these conversations, I, I feel like I would have benefited from that so much. Like, not even because I would have then been like, oh, these are the words that describe me. We don't have to figure out exactly the words that are just, that describe us. But just, like, having a chat about it. I mean, I— I choose comedy, too. Like, that's what I choose, too. But it is interesting to think about folks being able to describe themselves, like, that don't that don't use comedy. That just are in, I don't know. Life. Life. Yeah. At college, trying to figure out what they are, trying to figure out who they are. I used to, to say, like. uh, you know, like a multiple choice quest question. And then my identity is D, all of the above. Yeah, right. There it is. <laughs> Anybody have any questions? Didn't think so. No, I think it's, I think that sums D, it up. All of the above. So you've been doing this work now that folks are just starting to sort of have language for. Does that feel like? Does that feel good or weird or how does it feel when you've been like on the front lines of something that that now the world is sort of not one hundred percent, but sort of catching up to you? Like in the nine, you're like in the nineties, I was doing this, and now it's twenty eighteen. The world's kind kind of like yeah. Well, okay, it's interesting. I guess they, so. they, you know, here when I started in the nineties, I was like, I'm gonna, I want to be like the opposite of RuPaul, and here we are, this many years later, twenty plus years, and the level of visibility of drag queens versus any other kind of queer person is still like hugely imbalanced. And it's even more so now because it's mainstream. It's on VH1. It's drag cons. Like now there's a whole economy around the, the festivals, the gigs, the, the girls on the show work all the time. Now they tour. It's like, it's this whole thing and like massive fans. Like it's a phenomenon For, based on a, a age old, uh, you know, part of the gay community and then you know i'm still like i've made a little cameo on here i've done a little cameo here and you know we're working on a tv show we're trying to do all this stuff so it's just it still feels a little bit like me versus like this whole thing and i'm still trying to explain myself so so there there has been so much change but there still isn't anywhere near a level playing field that's a really good point. At the time, like in the '90s, would Rue was would Rue have been here in New York at the time? Or, or had just left when I got here. Yeah. Yeah, because I think. I mean, do you have an explanation for that? For drag queens, continue continuing to. I mean, really, with with with, drag race. It's pretty dang mainstream acceptance. Like the oh yeah, I just kids. Went, the kids go to DragCon. I just went to DragCon for the first time. Was in was invited and like went in uh, through like a special back door. Thank God because I cannot wait in line to go into a convention. Forget it. I'm I that that no, we're not wired that way. No, I'm not. No, we are not wired. It's that called way. hashtag panic attack. No, absolutely forget it. Um, but I I walked around and. Yeah, I mean, such a huge. I think I think actually bigger than I realized in terms of just like the fandom, not the oh yeah, no, not it's, the it's, phenomenon it's, of like queendom, but I just mean the level of fan that was there. Yeah, buying the merch, getting the autographs, getting the whole package. Yeah, absolutely, and waiting in waiting in three hour lines. Or I longer. did it two years ago. I think I love the the guys over at Wow. And um, they invited me. They did a there was a drag king panel, and I did that with a couple other uh, kids. And uh, you know, and and the the panel was great. We had we had a, at least three hundred people, which is you know, it's still a quarter of what everybody else had. But still, there was people <laughs> right, there. Right, yeah, that's great. And uh, you know, they had my autograph booth afterwards. And so, you know, there's lines and lines of drag queens. You know, lines of everywhere. And then it was Murray Hill. There's nobody at the line. 
Anyway, I took a picture of it and then I went out for drinks. That's that but, sounds great. But you know what I mean? It's it's uh, it's you know we we have have a lot of work to do. What do you think that is? What's the discrepancy? Oh, Cameron, it's a long story. Yeah. I mean, it, it's rooted in history, in misogyny, in economics. I mean, there's so it's it's not just the oh, there's no drag kings. I mean, it's part of this larger social construct that gets repeated and then it gets further repeated and then it gets further repeated where it's like drag kings and butches and all it's like pretty low on the visibility totem pole and it's i think it's connected to all the other social issues you know i mean i think you're absolutely right and we've got like nine more minutes we could talk about it so like Let's. I want to get further into this. I think this is very interesting. I know you're saying it's a super long story, but like, oh my god, my wanna, strength's gonna call. Do you want to talk about it? Because no, I would I love think, to hear. You what know, you it's think. it's um, you know, I've been around long enough now that I've been through all the you know different phases and fads of nightlife and pop culture and all that kind of stuff. Because when I first started, there was a whole drag king troupe in New York, and it was like very community based. And it still is, I think. There's, it's not, and it, that's another thing in New York. In, in New York, the drag queens, it's never been like a community. It's a community, but it's not like a collective. Sure. Like it's drag queens in the clubs, you know, competing, having their own career out for themselves. Doing, it's not like eight drag queens are showing up and putting on a show together. It's a little different now, but I know what you're talking about, though, because Chicago had that same sort of like a and actually like so, a did, so did Boston. Yeah, I was going to say the These word troops. the word I was going to use was troop. Yeah. So just just even if you just look at it from from a purely numbers perspective, one drag queen out making a name for herself out in the world, or a troop of fifteen people doing a show. So then, so you're you're already cutting up the stage time pie and then you're cutting up the money pie and then you so then it becomes like a like a play like you're doing you know it's it's like the economics are different and the the, the people are different and then so it's more it's more it's more like a community of people creating something for themselves rather than i think the drag queens are like out in the clubs I'm not making any sense. No, I think you're right, though. I mean, I understand a little bit about what you're saying because I because I have been to drag king shows and drag queen shows. And I think there's also, like, maybe a difference in, uh, like, vibe of the thing because yeah. the queens are objectified in a way that is, like, very – can be very sexy. Not that kings aren't, but – because it's often women in the audience and then the objectifying the kings, I think women tend to, like, patrol more on, like, because we receive so much sexual objectification that I think we can go to a certain degree, but not, like, all the way. You know, like, we can, like, sort of shove a dollar in somebody's pants, but not, like, all the way shove a dollar in somebody's yeah, pants. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many different, differences. There's, there's different so many feeling. cultural yeah. differences. And I think... You know, what I find, I am more influenced from drag queens and comedians like Phyllis Diller, like all the old schools, you know. And, you know, there was like drag etiquette, like Lady Bunny, Lip Synca, Jackie Beat. These are all people that I knew before I even started, uh, before I even started doing Murray in Boston. Oh, that's another story. Anyway, I knew all these drag queens from before and I was very influenced by them and they never broke character you never knew their name. You never saw them on a drag. Like it's a it's a very old school way of doing things, and I'm still like that. So like a lot of the kings that I see, it's it is about the gender reveal mm. and taking off clothes and like go go dancing and mixing burlesque in there, and like that just like cracks my mind open because it's it's everything is much more fluid, at least in the Brooklyn drag scene, you know all that stuff that's going on there, but. Yeah, so I'm I'm more like, you know, I've known Lady Bunny for like 20 years. I still don't know what that fucker looks like out of drag. <laughs> sure. You know what I mean? And it's, you don't ask questions. You don't, do, you know, you just, you. Ex- that's what I love about New York is you can come here, you can create yourself, you can be yourself and present that, and it's and fine. And that's you. 
Yeah. That's fine. So like your friends call you Murray. Yeah. And that is how you live your entire life. See, I think that I think that is a very New York thing, but also uh I don't know, like a thing that queer folks could look to regardless of where they are and what they're doing. Like that you were just assumed that you like created this person that you wanted to be. That's that's kind of what we're all doing. Yeah, and like I think like it and maybe we've gotten to a place where it's not to create a person that you need to be to live <laughs> to survive maybe now it's more of a natural choice rather than uh, like a complete choice of survival yeah you know what i mean yeah because like you know yeah kids come out now they're they you know they're, there's podcasts for christ's sakes talking there, about this stuff there are there's podcasts where we sit and just talk about the 90s for yeah. one hour i know it's amazing but you felt like it was a fu- like fully a survival choice. Like this was that was like if 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 Murray didn't happen for you, nothing was going to happen for you. Well, you know, I don't have that hindsight, of course. But I think that um, I don't know. It, it's 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 you know, it's not weird, but it, it's my whole life I've been thought of as a boy, and then. As I, you know, I've always been an artist and visual artist and stuff. And then I became a care. It's like I kind of, you know, I took back the night times a thousand. You know, now I look like all my goddamn Italian uncles and grandfathers. But <laughs> you know, it's so it's it's like I. It was always pushed at being different, being different, looking like a boy, looking like a boy. And then, you know, it wasn't like I'm gonna go out and be a boy now and Murray. It just like naturally evolved into this character. And it's like, I, it's weird. It, it, I don't want to say weird because it's 2019. You know, I actually do feel in some ways more comfortable, like out in public in a suit, walking down the street. You know, it's, it's you know, like suit as armor. Like that's as old as dirt too that. But so, but I feel like that, you know, so it's like, hey, Mary, how you doing? So, yeah, I don't know what the question was. No, I mean, I, I look at this leather jacket I have right here. I feel like with a rainbow flag on it. That's why, not so you, just to let everybody know you're you're up for well, it's the a, game. It's like a it's like a cool. I, I just saw it's like a vintage pin, and I just it made me a basically. Bur- I'm a very sensitive person underneath all this hilarious comedy. Oh, of uh, that we've been doing in this one hour of hilarious, just like rapid fire jokes. Um, but I just saw this like old pin. And couldn't stop being like, oh, my God, who wore this? Like, who wore this rainbow flag and, like, what was their whole thing? So that I just had to immediately buy it. They're probably a stonewall at the bar right now. Yeah, they're probably fine. It probably isn't a vintage pin. Probably was made yesterday. But I'm just like, I'll take it. I'll take the whole story, you know. Um, But, yeah, I wear it on my jacket because it makes me. But, yeah, armor, walking out into the world with... uh, Especially if you're somebody who feels vulnerable, walking out in the world with your with your armor on. What's your What's your favorite color suit to wear? Do you have a well, favorite color? I have so many suits, but right now um, I have this uh, issue that I only fit into two of them. <laughs> so I've got I've all, basically I've got a plaid suit, which you probably seen on on the Instagram, yeah. and then a tuxedo. So, but I've been wearing tuxedos pretty straight less since I've been touring with Dita Montes. Then I just decided to always, and if I dress down, I won't wear a bow tie. And when you when you tour together, you're going out and I'm like old like, school host. Yep, yeah, yep, yep, MC yep. in between the acts, open the show, set you know. Do the crowd work and all that stuff. Well, where could folks come see you? Um, you performing a lot here in New York? All right. So I'm going to be in Edinburgh this August. Oh, that's awesome. Have you done that before? No. And I'll be at Joe's Pub in September with a new show called About to Break. <laughs> and it, exactly. I just your delivery, the eye contact on that. That I look at I'm you. In. No, you, you just, you're a little off I loved it. <laughs> yeah. I loved it. Yeah, so I, you know, I've been touring for like eight years, mm-hmm. nine, actually ten, um, in the U.S. and Australia, Canada, and all that stuff. So I finally put those down for a minute to work on, you know, the Murray show. Yeah, you're on. So the I'm show. working on a TV show and then on a um, a live show. So it's all you know, keeping busy. I I hope I get 
a chance to come back to New York when you're running that at Joe's Pub. That would be really fun to see you live. I've never seen you live, and I would love to. See, that's the great thing about me. Everyone thinks they've seen me, but they never have. <laughs> that's why I can do the same fucking jokes all but the time. It is true, though. Like, just, oh, yeah, people just say, yeah. photographs of you, it's like, yeah. I get it. I'm in. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I just am like, oh, yeah, no, 100%. You, and You're I know like, oh, that's, I'm a big fan. I'm like, have you ever seen me? No. No, but... The the whole thing it's you you know what you're doing showbiz yeah that's what showbiz it is. showbiz I know I well before I send you back out into your day uh, I wanted to ask you if you wanted to like shout out a queero which is somebody that made you feel comfy being the person that you are a queero so it's got to be a queer person no it doesn't it can be an anybody well there there's a lot of there's a lot of people I've been influenced by but I think um. I met Alan Cumming here in New York when I just started. I was like, you know, a kid. And, you know, we, we, I've always had an unspoken bond with him. And I remember, I didn't even know he was in Cabaret. This was when he first got to New York and before he got the Tony for the Cabaret role. Um, and then really became a New York fixture. Is like, you know, I didn't know he was even in that show. He would come and see me on a Sunday night, me and a Penny Tuesday. We would we were at this club called Spy in Soho. It was a long, long, long time ago. And, you know, I remember, I mean, before, you know, I knew he was an actor, a comedian, you know, he, he does everything. I remember watching him and just being blown away about how open he was. Like, his sexuality, his spirit, his, you know, it, it, I, I just hadn't seen that. You know, I hadn't been in New York too long. And I think, you know, and over the years we've become friends and like his ability to be out, like out, out, like out. Like I have a girlfriend, I have a boyfriend, I have a husband, I have, not, no, he's got a husband now. You know, he's, he's so... um He's so, like, living his truth. I know that sounds like an Oprah special Soul Sunday quote. But, and then he gives back to the community. He does so much charity work. He does so much political stuff. The same-sex marriage. And he's outspoken. And he doesn't give a shit about what he's doing in public. Or, you know, what he's saying on this. And, like, you know, I, so he's, like, an unafraid queer person. And I've always been inspired by him in that way. And he's just so insanely talented and generous. But he's somebody that I want to be like. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. I've never met Alan, but his whole vibe, not not just like literally even just the photographs of, of himself that he shares that are so revealing. Like, he'll show a lot of his body, but he'll show like a different part of his body than um, like dudes usually usually show like himself in you know whatever it is like a loincloth or something essentially you know like but it's like yeah. beautifully and shot what's and the word for that it, i, I want to say uninhibited but it's more profound than that no you okay. might be yeah he is uninhibited or, or or at least from a distance he definitely is sharing a lot of himself that we usually put so much shame on like the things that like sexuality or like bisexuality or having multiple yeah, and he's but been like, and he's been visible and open and outspoken the whole, the whole time. time. Yeah, yeah, he's a cool person. Ugh, I'm glad you're friends with him. And yeah, he's got a new club. We should mention this club coming. Yeah. So when you're in New York, go check it out. Go check out Club Coming. Absolutely. Well, Murray, you're show cool. Bit, you're cool. Now we're gonna be friends. I can't wait for us and to be friends. Does your husband play basketball? <laughs> yeah, uh, Rhea Butcher plays baseball. Okay, I play. Oh. I've seen that. Yeah. I've seen like your pictures. Hardcore LA. baseball. Me too. Player. Well, awesome. Next time I'm in LA, I'll bring my glove. Yeah. Yes. We'll play a little baseball. Play baseball. Awesome. We'll, with the husband, the wives. We'll yeah. Play some comedy Rock sets. Rock and roll. Love anyway, it. Cameron, there's, there's not many people I would wake up uh, before 6 p.m. Hey, thank you on for a trusting Thursday, So, thank you for trusting me with your 4:20 p.m., hey. which is literally when we started. You know, it's an old expression now that the kids don't get. What's this? But I said, of course I do it because you're family. Yeah, the yeah. Kid, but the, I said that to somebody the other day, and they're like, "What do you mean? I'm you like, guys are related? No, like, no, no." I'm like, yeah. "I said it's nice to see some family in Las Vegas." And the guy, this thirteen-year-old <laughs> gay guy, was like, "What? The fuck are you talking about, you old weirdo?" Oh man, we can't lose anyway, family. That's well, we the one family. That is the of course one I'm going to do your thing podcast. We can't lose is family. So yeah, yeah I'll, we'll bring it back. All right. On that note, showbiz. All right. 
Etsy. Hey, this is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season three has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, season three is a great jumping on point. And we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Fake nuts. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen <coughs> me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins yeah. has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Uh, yes, I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I mean, Jazos. <laughs> ruler of the eighth circle. And that's just the beginning. Season three of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.